This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to what state lawmakers will be discussing next week in a joint committee and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about Illinois' pension problems and how Chicago's pension debt could play a role. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Craig Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Chicago's newest mayor is talking with Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker about lumping the city's debt load into a fund that the state as a whole would be on the hook for. Cole Lauterbach has that story. Crane's Chicago Business reported that Mayor Lori Lightfoot wants Chicago's fire, police, municipal, and labor's pension debt, measured at $28 billion, to be consolidated into a statewide pension fund. Pritzker says the state must look into all options. We're looking at all of the things that are available, not just to the state pension funds, to the cities and the counties, to make sure that we're going to help people uh, to improve their funding levels. The Windy City's facing a $1 billion pension contribution that it would have to hike taxes for next year. Instead of that, Lightfoot is asking Pritzker to lump a four of the city's pension funds with $28 billion in combined debt into a state pension fund. Lightfoot said Monday that all options need to be on the table. The city has substantial uh, uh, budget issues and financial issues, particularly around our pensions, and we're going to work together cooperatively to see what we can get done. Shelbyville State Representative Brad Halbrook says anyone outside of Chicago should be outraged. This is her solution to the financial ills of Chicago to put it on the on the backs of all of the taxpayers in the state of Illinois. Hellbrook says the rest of the state shouldn't be responsible for Chicago's mismanagement. We hear the argument from those inside the city that says downstate can't survive without them. We make the argument we can't survive with them. Chicago still manages its own teacher pensions outside of the state funds, with which it receives an annual state block grant as part of the 2017 school funding reform law. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Recent federal raids of political figures in Chicago is giving an expert on corruption a glimmer of hope. The most recent reported federal raid in Chicago is against Kevin Quinn, the brother of Chicago Alderman Marty Quinn, and someone who had worked for House Speaker Michael Madigan's political operations for many years. He's also at the center of a sexual harassment discrimination case. The Chicago Tribune reports Quinn's house was raided in May, but it's unclear for what. Quinn has not been charged with a crime. 
came after a raid of Alderman Kerry Austin's office and an earlier raid and subsequent indictment of longtime Chicago Alderman Ed Burke. He's denied any wrongdoing. David Parker, director of the Center for the Study of Fraud and Corruption at St. Xavier University, said the raids and indictments are a good sign. As it, things are being looked at and they're not going to be ignored. So it's a good, it's a good signal being sent out. However, Parker said, sometimes the cloud of alleged corruption doesn't seem to matter to voters. Uh, but what do you say about a city like Burke, where you've got constituents that you've got a guy on a federal indictment and he gets reelected? The cost of corruption gets passed on to whoever's paying for the resources being abused, Parker said. Uh, if it's state money, if it's federal money, if it's products or services flowing out, so most certainly extends on well past the sea limits of Chicago. Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza says a lawsuit by two former lawmakers to nullify pay freezes and furlough pay from years past is a shameless money grab. Cole Lauterbach has that story. A Cook County Circuit judge ruled Wednesday that former state senators Jim Nolan and James Claiborne can move forward with their lawsuit to nullify a number of automatic pay hikes and furloughs they voted for in the years past. Former Senator Dan Katowski said his legislation to freeze the pay of lawmakers only made sense in 2012, considering what taxpayers were going through at the time. We understand as public servants that we have to do our part. Just like families across our state have had to do more with less, this is just another step that we need to take to reform our spending, to make sure that we live within our means in the state of Illinois. In a statement, Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza says she strongly opposes, quote, Nolan's shameless money grab and will fight it either with an appeal or in this court as the remaining counts proceed, end quote. It's unclear how broad the potential payback for lawmakers a final decision in Nolan's favor would be. A status hearing on the case is set for next month. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Attorneys for former Illinois State employee Mark Janis have filed their final briefs in an appeal to get $3,000 back in forced union fees. The U.S. Supreme Court last year in Janus v. Afsmeme said forced union agency fees for public sector employees are unconstitutional. Janis then sued to get the union fees he was forced to pay the union since 2013. The ultimate outcome of the refund could cost unions across the country $120 million. A gambling critic says the state may lose the bet on how many jobs will be created by expanding Illinois' gaming industry. State Senator Terry Link said he thinks the sports betting component of the gambling expansion bill signed by the governor could come together by the time football season starts, if not by the time to place bets for the Super Bowl. And I think some of the facilities would be able to do that because they have the unique technology available. So I think that they will get up quicker than others. Link also expects there to be increased revenue for the state. I think the whole package will bring the revenue that we're looking for. The governor's office said the overall gambling expansion law, combined with the doubling of the gas tax to pay for infrastructure, will create more than 500,000 jobs. The gambling critic, Manita Bedell, with Illinois Church Action on Alcohol and Addiction Problems, said former Governor Pat Quinn promised jobs when the state expanded video gambling. They didn't get the number of jobs. They didn't get the amount of money that they predicted. But um, so they'll be, they'll be the same thing. You know, it looks good on paper. Bedell said nearly $7 million is set aside to help with problems associated with increased gambling. But there's an additional 2% of the gambling revenue set aside for crime prevention in Chicago, something Bedell says shows lawmakers and policymakers no problems will increase 
with expanded gambling. When gamblers lose their money, they borrow, and when they, they can't borrow anymore, then, then they steal, they embezzle, they commit crimes to get money to gamble. While Bedell said there's a study of where a Chicago casino should go, she urged there to be a statewide study of gambling and its associated social problems. It was a bipartisan victory lap in southern Illinois earlier this week where the Democratic governor and several Republicans praised that gambling expansion bill. Governor J.B. Pritzker stopped in Carterville Tuesday morning to stand with others to celebrate the gambling expansion bill that allows for a casino for Walker's Bluff Resort. Since 2008, Walker's Bluff has served as an entertainment and tourism destination for Southern Illinois, offering jobs and opportunities to hundreds of local residents and bringing thousands of visitors face-to-face with Southern Illinois' natural beauty. This casino authorization opens the doors to even greater potential. Republican State Senator Dale Fowler said the initiative creates a destination for Southern Illinois. A destination that will be first class in the entire Midwest. A destination that will bring companies throughout the nation right here to Walker's Bluff. Cindy Bunch, an owner at Walker's Bluff Resort, said the economic developments needed in Southern Illinois. I was born and raised right here, and I know the full extent of the need and how precisely the resort of Walker's Bluff will address every opportunity for businesses and our people. Pritzker also stopped in Marion, Urbana, and Champaign, all to tout the road projects and other public works projects to be paid with doubling the state's gas tax and other tax and fee increases that started last week. State's agricultural department's working to get regulatory frameworks in place for the adult-use recreational cannabis law. Legal sales expected to begin January 1. That's after the recreational sales and regulatory rules are established. Illinois Department of Agriculture Director John Sullivan said state officials want to make sure that there's plenty of product for when sales begin. So we're going to be uh, overseeing and regulating the growing, the processing, the craft grow, and the transportation. So big role, a lot of responsibility. He said there's a lot of work to do. But because of our experience on the medicinal side, we're going to be using a lot of, you know, cut and paste uh, some of that language. It's going to help us get through this rulemaking, uh, we think, a little bit faster. But Sullivan said there's going to need to be more manpower. Getting people in place is really going to be one of our first steps because uh, it's going to take more manpower to do that. So we're, we're reviewing that uh, to make sure we got the proper staff there. As to investors looking to get a license, Sullivan said to not contact his agency, he won't be involved with potential licensees. And we've had a lot of people reach out to us, and we've simply said, you know, we, we have a, a regulatory role to play here. We don't want to be influenced either direction on, uh, on how we move forward, so we're just making sure we're, we're trying to keep it internal and do what we need to do. Illinois State Police Acting Director Brendan Kelly said his agency is also working to implement the necessary functions to regulate the cannabis industry. ISP is also working to find the best tools to catch intoxicated drivers. The Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation also is taking the necessary steps to implement the program. And in a measure of patriotism, Illinois finds itself lacking compared to many of its neighbors. Cole Lauterbach has that story. 
That stats, according to a WalletHub report, measuring military and civic engagement, showing the land of Lincoln placed 41 out of 50 in the analysis. Analyst Jill Gonzalez says the report weighed states for this ranking based on metrics such as military participation, both active duty and veteran, as well as civic participation. But also things like voter turnout and even the more mundane like jury duty participation. She says the rankings could be skewed for some states with lower populations and a number of military bases, which could increase the ratio. Alaska ranked first in military engagement. The fact that the ratio between civilians and military enlistees is that much higher could also speak to patriotism there. Gonzalez says the report pitted all the states against each other and found that Illinois came up short in the traditional measures of civic and military engagement that are often considered patriotic. Illinois could be more patriotic. It ranked 41st overall out of all 50 states, so obviously number one the best, 50th the least patriotic. The analysis also measured more mundane things like jury duty, turnout, and participation in the 2016 election. She says the younger generation has begun to express patriotism differently. We might have thought once as niche issues now can find huge outlets online. Wisconsin was the most America-loving state in the Midwest, coming in sixth overall, with New Hampshire at the top and New Jersey at the bottom. Indiana was deemed less patriotic, coming in 44th overall. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Those are the top stories of the past week for Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up from Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus's Crosstalk segment. Thanks to our producer, John Spataro, for that patriotic uh, piece of music leading into the segment. Uh, Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square here in Illinois, joined once again by my favorite Yankee Doodle Dandy, Dan McCaleb, the executive editor of TheCenterSquare.com. Dan, happy Independence Day. How are you, fella? Doing fine, enjoying uh, the holiday weekend, uh, doing some grilling and being kept awake all night by the neighborhood fireworks. How about you? Yeah, my dog is a huge fan. I, I got to be honest with you. You know, it's like one of my all-time favorite times of the year because even though I'm running on this calendar where it says that July 4th fell on Thursday, apparently fireworks between, I don't know, like the 30th of June and July 15th is really the period of time. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic, fantastic time of the year. Hopefully people will, at the very least, pause and take some consideration of the, of the freedom that we have and, and certainly of the independence we have. We won the big one. And thank, thanks to that, we're, you know, we have the ability. About the U.S. women's soccer win over England? Uh, that was a reprisal of the big one. Yeah, we continue uh, to win the big one over and over again. Uh, congrats to the U.S. women's national team. 
that uh, that that sweet win over over England, uh, they're still bitter about it. But uh, I'm going to guess that uh, you're not. <laughs> no, look forward to watching them in the final on Sunday. Well, I hope that we're not blown up by fireworks between now and then, and we can both enjoy it. So, um, Dan, lots to talk about during this 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 holiday week. I mean, the you know the world continues to turn. There's there's still things happening. Uh, that have an impact uh, to Illinoisans, and we're going to talk about two, uh, both of which are big, big money uh, deals. Uh, effectively, you know, if, if you're already tuned out and haven't been paying attention, uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, who I think in a lot, a lot of ways, has has done, I think, some things early on in her tenure to demonstrate that she is not a machine puppet and is interested in, in actually trying to make the city of Chicago better, which is good for all Illinoisans, did something this week that all Illinoisans are not going to be too excited about. And that is to lump the city's pension liabilities into a statewide fund with the other pensions from around the state, which when you simmer it down, it's simply a transferal of debt load to taxpayers solely in the city of Chicago to people across the state of Illinois. Um, I wish I could do this with my own debts because it would be pretty awesome just to give them to somebody else and say, hey, you know, maybe my neighbor or my entire neighborhood, because that would be easier than me paying them myself. Yeah, it's a good, good point. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Mayor Lightfoot floated the idea this week of um, lumping the city's $28 billion in pension debt into a statewide fund that state taxpayers um, would be responsible for, not just city of Chicago taxpayers, but the taxpayers across Illinois from Carbondale to Rockford, to the suburbs and Chicago. It's just an idea at this point. She's uh, talking to Governor Pritzker uh, about the possibilities. Um, if she's not able to come up with another solution um, the city will need to come up with a, another billion dollars in tax increases uh, by 2023 to so they can um, make the make their pension payments the amount of pension payments that they're going to need to make. Um, I wrote about this in my column this week. Uh, you can read at thecentersquare.com/illinois. I of course am opposed to it. What kind of leverage does uh, Mayor Lightfoot have uh, in this matter, if any? Well, she and G Governor Pritzker are both um, Chicago Democrats. Um, they have vowed to work uh, together to improve both the city's and the state's finances. Unfortunately, that's meant a lot of tax increases across the board. Um, um, but uh, the governor did say this week, after media reports uh, about, about the idea, that he thinks if the state were to take on uh, the city's pension debt, $28 billion worth, um, that it would lead to a credit downgrade. And of course, Illinois' uh, credit rating right now is just one notch above junk status. That's sweet. So it's, uh, you know, of that $28 billion of, of pension obligation, uh, according to the reporting that we've done this week, you know, I read that it was 11, there was $11 billion of that that's unfunded. So is, 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 is <laughs> here's your layup alley-oop of the, uh, of the day. 
Is that anything at all like the place where Lori Lightfoot would like to pass this this buck? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what she, she, listen, she inherited a mess, but she knew what she was getting into when she ran for office. Um, you know, I wish Mayor Lightfoot uh, the, the best. And I, as you said up front, um, she doesn't seem to be beholden to the cronies uh, uh, and special interests in this state. Um, but she inherited a mess. Chicago is a fiscal disaster, just like Illinois is. And she's just uh, she's she's trying to do what she thinks is best for 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 city taxpayers, but having downstate suburban taxpayers pick up uh, their mess uh, and and help them um, pay for it is 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 a bad idea. And I I'm at least glad that I heard uh, Governor Pritzker come out and say uh, that he thinks it's a bad idea too. So there there are roughly at my at my last count, and this is by no means an official number. Uh, 136 billion reasons why people who don't live in Chicago but live in the state of Illinois don't like Chicago and don't like necessarily what's going on in their state. And if this were to go through, this simply would be just one more, one more uh, log to throw on that fire. That's right. The, the, the state's five public pension systems are underfunded. I think the figures are closer to $135 billion. What, but what's an extra billion dollars between me, you, and all the other taxpayers? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's, it's funny money. But babe, just one, one last thing on, on, on Chicago. Now, whereas states cannot file bankruptcy, I mean, you know, obviously the, the precedent was set with Puerto Rico, and that was, that was handled different differently because, you know, it's a territory and, and, and I mean, they're the, the, the depth of what was going on in Puerto Rico compounded by the fact that that, you know, that, that, that Island uh, territory had just been throttled again by a hurricane. Um, cities can file for bankruptcy. I mean, right. is, is that a, I mean, is that a viable direction for the city of Chicago? And, and do you have any idea what that would mean, um, you know, for the benefit of, of taxpayers? Well, I mean, certainly, if 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 something doesn't give, that's that that could be an option. I don't think anyone's talking that um, uh, right now. But what it would mean would would be that the courts would uh, the bankruptcy court would step in and restructure um, uh, Chicago's debt and probably leave a whole lot of the bondholders um, uh, make a whole lot of bondholders not happy because uh, they wouldn't they'd see pennies on the dollar. So we'll have to wait and see what's going on here. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting story, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know where I don't know how this one's going to come out in the wash. We'll have to see how, just how closely aligned uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and uh, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker are uh, with with regard to, to this issue, and and I think it might be an interesting test for their relationship early on. Elsewhere around the state, you know, there's kind of an interesting story that, that that came to light this week that that I think really kind of set the dominoes falling backwards, prompting us to, to kind of take a look at sort of what's going on within the state university system or the, you know, the Illinois public universities, I should say. And the, um, the outgoing president of Western Illinois, uh, Jack Thomas, uh, was given a severance package that was estimated at, uh, I think it was $540,000. And it, right. 
it's essentially it's walk away money. It's exit money. It's thanks for everything, but get lost kind of money. Um, not the first time that this has happened. Um, Southern Illinois had to, had to settle out with its president and, and the, the exchange there was, was, was not insignificant. It was, you know, like uh, what, uh, $600,000 or something like that. 587,500. I think you meant Northern Illinois university. Let me get straight because, because these are big numbers. All you need to know is that these are directional schools and, 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 and then I'll get to Chicago state. So. Western Illinois is paying it, paying its president this week $540,000 to not work for them. Southern Illinois gave its former president $215,000 um, to get lost in, in 2017. Northern Illinois University gave its president $587,500 in, um, in, excuse me, in 2017. Southern did its kick out in 2018. And in 2016, Chicago State gave its president uh, $600,000 to get lost for a total of $1.9425 million for administrators to no longer work at the university and to go find something else to do with themselves that no longer impacted or affected or in any way touched the university, which I guess is a great deal if you're getting it, but they're getting it from Illinois state taxpayers. And, you know, that's bonkers kind of money. The Tribune said since 2009 that the state's given away $5.1 million in exit money to executives since, uh, since two, since, again, since 2009. So in the last 10 years, you know, they've given away more than $5 million to people just to leave the tops of these universities. That's kind of a problem, isn't it? It's, it's, it's infuriating is what it is. Um, you know, we just talked about the states and the city of Chicago's pension debt. That's five point however million dollars that could be used to pay down some of that debt um, for pensions that's going, as you said, to former administrators to not work for taxpayers. Um, it's outrageous that these these boards uh, allow these things. The state legislature just passed a law to cap uh, such severance agreements, but because this this administrator's contract was written before the um the law went into into place he's entitled to two-year salary five hundred and forty one thousand dollars um for doing absolutely nothing just infuriating in the middle of may dan uh the center square team did a comprehensive look at big 10 universities specifically identifying the percentage of the overall budgets of the universities in the Big Ten that went to administrators. And it varied. Uh, I believe Penn State was the, the most egregious. Illinois was right in the center, University of Illinois. Um, but the compensation of the people who are actually the top ex executive officer, you know, the, 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 the college uh, presidents and the college uh, chancellors, they, the, these people are paid like CEOs of big companies. I mean, the, these salaries are, are large. Yeah. And in, in many cases they're, they make more than the, for example, the governor of the States uh, that they're in the, the reason, the only reason really uh, uh, for that is because they can get away with it. 
Um, there's a lack of accountability within the university systems. Um, um, the board members who hire university presidents are in many cases uh, tied to the university. And um, um, there's just there's just very little accountability. And then the, the, the new presidents get in there and they want to put their stamp on things. So they uh, pitch new administrative positions and it's just a never ending vicious cycle. Yeah, I, I guess the, the you know the the you know as I look at this externally, you know it's you know, I, you know I mean go earn what you can earn. I, I I think that's fantastic, and everybody brings value to to their environment, or they they shouldn't be there in the uh, in the first place. But it, it I think what we've seen in Illinois in the case of the the last four presidents, you know, to leave with with exit money, uh, and this is not certainly to a person. But competence levels not high enough to maintain the work, or lapses in integrity, or uh, you know, I mean, it's I, I, each one is an individual case. But how can you get these kinds of hires at that price point so very wrong? Yeah, it's a it's a very good uh, question. In Western's case, enrollment, uh, uh, which is the latest example. Um, the one from just this week in Western's case, enrollment has dropped uh, 37% um, under the outgoing president's uh, tenure. Um, facu faculty has left. Um, revenue has dropped significantly. I, he, he's been there since 2011. It's very likely he should have been gone before now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just that lack of accountability at the board level. Well, you'd like to think um, you'd like to think that um, that that you know that that you're an optimist, and you know nobody nobody likes nobody likes a pessimist. <laughs> but it's as if the state university system is mirroring you know virtually every other facet of uh, of Illinois government with regard to the way that they spend, and uh, and the outcomes for the state universities don't seem to be uh, that. Terrific. I mean, Illinois is not in the University of Illinois itself. You know, our 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 flagship university is is losing out on on price, frankly, to in-state students. I know that you know my oldest kid uh, got a better deal at another Big Ten school. Your oldest kid has uh, has decided to leave the state to pursue uh, you know his his future academic endeavors. We're not competitive. The schools are expensive. Um, you know, we're not holding kids in the in the state, and, and I think that's been that was evidenced particularly by what was going on at Western with that decline. Chicago State's enrollment has been a wreck for years. How that's how that institution stays in business or or continues to operate, I, I don't I don't understand it. Um, fixing colleges, fixing public universities, not easy. Do you have any thoughts or any suggestions on how you would address it if you had to take this problem on? Some thoughts, yeah. One is um, just consolidation. Consolidation of, um, for example, colleges within universities. Does every single university in the state of Illinois need to have a journalism program? Does it? Does everyone need to have... Um, I don't know, a nursing program, for example. Can you not consolidate some of these programs into specific universities and say Western becomes the expert in, in three or four fields and 
Um, Northern becomes the expert in three or four different fields. So not every university needs to offer every potential degree um, to any student that wants it. Uh, and then the second thing would be this administrative bloat that's been going on. Uh, taxpayer money, tuition money should be spent on classrooms, on students, uh, on student achievement, not on growing administrations. Um, and that's unfortunately that's been going on for too long as well. Yeah, or building or building buildings and uh, right. creating fiefdoms. I mean, you know, I, I know as part of our college tour, we, you know, we looked at universities really all over the country. And, you know, when the amenities at the universities start to exceed the amenities at five-star hotels and resorts, it's like, what is the point of this? I mean, um, college at this point in time, and this is my opinion, college at this time is not for everybody. There's really not a reason for every single person to go to college. I mean, I think, you know, as part of the American dream, you know, we want what's best for our kids and we want them to do better than what, you know, what, what, what we had. Right. But, you know, when there are so many jobs that don't require uh, a college degree, but would, would require technical training or some kind of uh, craft training or trade training, the, the idea of spending, you know, now in the state of Illinois, 25, 35, 45, or more thousand dollars a year, and then financing, you know, that education for the idea of getting, you know, the job that's going to be, uh, you know, the part of a career path. It's just, I, I think it's just, we've, we've led our kids in the wrong direction as, as far as that goes. Yeah. And then this, you know, booming economy from the past couple of years, a lot of these um, manufacturers, uh, for example, say there's not enough skilled labor out there. So that, yeah, that's another uh, that's another good point. Um, getting kids who are more suited uh, to to get into the trades, for example, uh, uh, that should be encouraged. And in some high schools who are looking uh, to boost their um, uh, their college uh, grad, or their, yeah, the number of kids going to college, um, they might not be steering students. Uh, to where maybe they would be better suited. Yeah, I mean, and, and the reality of it is in the job market, you know, I mean, for so many kids that have financed, you know, half or more of their college costs, they've effectively bought a home, um, but at a much, much higher interest rate and have no place to live in the, in, in the investment that they've made in their, in their university experience. And don't necessarily come into the workforce any better equipped to compete for jobs than had they gone to a technical training uh, school or or had simply you know signed up to become uh, a tradesperson. So it's it's just it's a wreck. I think it's amplified here in Illinois because of the way that each one of these universities is managed like its own little kingdom. Um, the, they're competing. It, I feel like they're competing against each other and Illinois taxpayers are, are ultimately paying for it. I don't know that we're doing the best for our kids. Completely. Yeah. Completely agree. You, as I said, we're in a, in a very good, nice economy, um, right now, but the next recession is going to hit sometime. I don't know if it's next year or two years from now or five years from now, a downturn is coming. Um, and, you know, 
students with college with this massive college debt, um, the, the the jobs aren't going to be out there at some point, at least for a, a limited period of time. And, and what are they going to do then? I think they're going to be turning to their uncle Bernie and asking for college bailouts. Uh, but uh, you know, we we shall see. Um, all I know is, don't ask me. I got my own kids to pay for, and I'm good already. So thanks. You and me both. Hey, Dan, it's been great talking with you, as it is every week on Illinois and Focus's Crosstalk segment, powered by the Center Square, headquartered here in beautiful Chicago, Illinois. Our time has come to an end. Uh, any parting shots, my friend? Just stay safe this weekend. Stay out of the path of all those fireworks. Yes, duck and cover. For Dan McCaleb, this has been Chris Krug. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square, Illinois, is working on next week. Next week, state lawmakers and a joint committee will hold a subject matter hearing about reading materials in the state's prison systems. Governor J.B. Pritzker is also expected to sign some of the more than 500 bills that are now on his desk. We'll be there to bring you all the latest. This has been Illinois in Focus. Find more Illinois stories and commentary online at thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.